Welcome to the Hope United Podcast, where we're creating a culture of worship, family, and discipleship. We hope this message challenges, inspires, and gives you hope today. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. Well, I'm so excited to have my lovely and amazing wife up on the stage with me today. And uh, Minister Jessica is also with us. And the, the brilliant, amazing, and she has this amazing resume and testimony. She holds a, batch, uh, she holds a, a bachelor's in law and a minor in psychology. You started two nonprofits, and you just recently started a for-profit clothing line and uh, just have a heart to touch the city with cutting-edge community projects. You head up our student ministry. And you got so many things on your plate right now, but it wasn't always that way. Um, there was a time before you came to Christ, you were hanging out with some pretty dangerous people and low self-image, wrong way of thinking. You could have ended up in jail or worse, but God. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you, Pastor Joshua and Pastor Greg, for allowing me to share this stage with you on such an important uh, conversation. And to piggyback off of what you said, yes. Thank God we don't look like what we've been through. Amen? Amen. So uh, if it was not for God, I'd probably not be in this seat uh, sharing with you all that he has done in my life. But I'm literally very, very, very grateful to God that he did a complete transformation in my heart and in my life. And when I hear this resume, um, that was just God. That wasn't anything that, that was a part of my life before I got saved there. He put me on a fast track, but he did redeem the time. And I'm so grateful for that in Jesus name. That's what we've been talking about today is man, where would any of us be if it wasn't for Christ? And so what does it mean to be in this new life? That's what we've been in this series. We've been really dialing in on second Corinthians five seventeen. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and now a new life has begun. It's the concept of when we come to Christ and we're following Christ, he makes us new again. And he renews us from the dysfunctional uh, life that we have been living. And say, man, all this stuff that you've picked up, it's caused you to be dysfunctional. It causes a, corru- a corruption in the, the formatting that I've given you. And so when we come to him, he makes us New. We think differently. We talk differently. We treat others differently. So today we talk about a lot of things in this series, but I want to talk about relationships in the new life. Relationships in the new life, right? Friendships and other relationships that we have when we're in this new life. Because if we're not careful, we take the old way of thinking and try to superimpose that on top of the new life. So I want to start off with you, Pastor Corinne. Um, How has your decision to follow Christ affected relationships in your life? Uh, It's affected a lot of things. Um, I'm just reminded of like all these sayings that we always hear, birds of a feather flock together. You are who you hang around. You know, if tell me who who is around you and I'll tell you who you are. A lot of what we become and what we do is a result of the circle around us of what, what, who we choose to have relationship with. And so, um, I know for me, there's some relationships that I no longer have that I felt that if I would have continued on with those relationships, they would have set me on a different path and probably not the right path. And, um, I mean, we deal with, with 
a lot of different people, we see a lot of things. We see when people marry somebody that they're not equally yoked with, and then all of a sudden, like, all this potential is, like, stifled. And you see when somebody's been hanging with the wrong people when they're young, and all of a sudden it takes a moment, and now they end up in jail. And they they were good, but they were in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. So relationships are a critical part. God has intended for us to have relationships, but it's important that we have the right ones. Relationships are amazing. You, they can, a relationship can open up the right door for you to have uh, an amazing opportunity, amazing life. Um, but also the wrong relationship, like you said, in a moment can send you down a path that could take you years to recover from. So we want to begin to, in this new life, look through the lens of Christ at every relationship that is in our life. And so what I surround myself with, actually, I'm going to produce more of. If I surround myself with lazy people, I'm going to become more lazy, right? If I surround myself with people that are late all the time, come on, I'm going to start being late. Negative people, I'm going to start being negative. But if I surround myself with people that are positive, guess what? I'm going to see the good or the possibility of good in every circumstance. If I surround myself with people of faith, though, I'm going to, I'm going to be stronger, become stronger and stronger in my faith. So it's about creating the relational culture that you want to live in. Here's the incredible thing is you get to choose who is in your life. So create the relational culture that you want to live in that causes you to thrive. I want to create a relational culture. I want to bring some some coaches into my life. I want to bring some mentors into my life that will help me grow spiritually. I want to bring some people that are strong in their faith so I can thrive and I can grow. In the spiritual life, we have to be ready and willing to shake some things up. And even the area of relationships in our life. So... What is a relationship when you came to Christ that you had to modify? Um, the, one of the things that, you know, I, there are so many things, like you said, Pastor Corinne, that, you know, you have to make a decision. I'm going this way. Birds of a feather flock together. And if I continue to run in these circles, now that God is doing something in my life, you're just going to end up wherever that, that crowd is going. But with me, um, so the Lord dealt with that area of my life, but the relationship the first relationship he dealt with with me was the relationship I had with myself. Um, I had struggled through my whole life with self-rejection, right, and self-hatred. So I didn't have, I had a toxic relationship with myself. I didn't know who I was. And so with that, you end up tolerating things and, and all your decisions and the friends that you make and the places that you go and the things that you say are based, come, coming from a place of self-rejection and self-hatred. Um, and so when I came to Christ, the first thing that he addressed was me. And he said, you know, you, you don't like yourself very much. And so I went through seasons of him, you know, showing me who I was in him. And, and here's the thing. This world paints this picture and, they, and it's like, you, here's who you are. See, you think you know who you are, but they're telling you who you are and you're agreeing with what they're telling you. But when you get with God and he shows you who you are, you align with him. And then you, you have this perception that it's like, oh my goodness, I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. And so I started to have value and worth and identity. And so whatever the world threw at me, I said, no, that's not true. That's a lie. And the first few months of me worshiping God as a new believer, I was a whole adult. 
living a whole life. And so when I would worship, I would cry myself to sleep in worship saying I'm not worthy over and over. And he allowed it for a few months until he came in and said no more of that. No more of that. See, he had to allow it to the point so that he can hold it up and say, this is what you're doing. And the reason why you're doing this is because you don't know who you are and you've rejected yourself. And because you rejected yourself, you cannot receive my love to know that it's unconditional, baby. You don't have to earn this. I love you. And now that I know the love of Christ, I know who I am. The other world can't tell me who I am. Amen. Amen. I think that's so good. I asked you about relationships in the new life, and you started with God. Yes. You started with God. And I think that's an important thing to know. We always have to start with God. We have to start with Christ. Because if we don't start with Christ, when we think of relationships and every relationship, it's, it's gonna, we're going to prioritize things the wrong way. When Jesus tells us in Matthew ten thirty seven, he gives some clarification of the priority range of relationships. He says, okay, now in this life, I want you to understand how relationships are going to work. It says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. That's a heavy thing. It's a heavy thing. But it's not a different thing than God said in the beginning, right? What did God say to Moses? God said, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And so Jesus comes and he echoes that same sentiment when he says, I am the Lord your God. You're not going to have any friends higher than me. You're not going to have any friends on the level of me. So they can start at number two and go down. But I'm going to be number one. I'm going to hold that place. If you're going to be mine, if you're going to belong to me, then I'm going to belong at the top of your list. So he says, if you love your father or mother more than me, you're not worthy of me. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. And sometimes we can look at that and say, man, that's kind of harsh. But actually, it is brilliant. Because if, you, if your first relationship is God, and the first place you're going to in the morning is God, he's going to fill you up with everything that you need to be the husband, to be the dad, to be the mom, to be the son, to be the daughter, to be the friend that you need to be. Without him being number one, you'll never be at full capacity as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, as a parent, as a brother, as a sister, as a friend. You'll never experience what it's like to be the best version of yourself. But when I put Jesus first, when we understand that, if you love your father, your mother, your your friend, your son, your daughter, anybody, your boo, more than me... You're not worthy. You like that, right? <laughs> You're not worthy of, of, of being mine. So if you want to be mine, I got to be your number one. Part of what we have to let go in this new life is relationships. I got to let go of the control. I got to let go of the decision-making situation. So I'm going to lay, just like I've laid a lot of other stuff as a Christian on the altar, I have to lay my relationships down and let him tell me what I need to pick up. Let him tell me what I need to redo. Because sometimes there's somebody in my life and I need to bring them closer. Some people I need to be holding at arm's length because they got the wrong agenda or they've decided they're going to be the old man and they want to try to do everything they can to pull me back into that. And friends do that, you know. Friends either pull you closer to God. They say, man, come in here and get this experience that I have. 
and they challenge us or they say, you know what, you're acting so, so holier than now. Why don't you come over here and hang out with us and do this and do some of the stuff we did before? So we, we have to redefine relationships. If your relationships are the same exact relationships you had before you came to Christ, you're not doing it right. You've got to reevaluate every relationship. So talk to me about what you look for, what we should look for in friendship as a believer. I look for evidence of God's growth in their life. Can we just pause right there? Evidence. I love the word evidence because people can talk. People can talk a good game. But when somebody has the evidence of loving God, the evidence of being like Christ, that's the person I want to hang out with because that's the person that whatever they're saying, it's working in their life. There's a lot of people that theologically know God. I don't want to be in a relationship with somebody that only theologically knows God. I don't need you to know God in theory. I need you to know him in reality. And then we can figure out how we fit together as friends. See, I don't even know how we fit together as friends. Maybe we don't fit together as friends if you don't serve the Lord in practicality. Not just in theory. So what are we looking for as friends? So evidence, fruit, um, the fruit of the spirit within them. You know, that they're actually walking in that. And also, um, I like to look for, I don't like just to have yes people around me. It's good to have people that you know, like the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. There's some things that you have that could really help me grow that I need. There's some things I have that can really help you grow. So you look for that type of mutual, mutual deposit as well as. And I think this is important because some people are looking and they're hungry for a relationship and they don't feel the reciprocation. Yep. Like if you don't see that it's ha- happening, that's not it. You know, just wait. Maybe it's not the right season. So make sure that there's an openness on the other end. But I look for uh, reciprocation. I look for that mutual growth, iron sharpening iron. And I look for the evidence. So good. So good. So I want to I want to step on a little bit of, uh, uh, of some toes this morning, if that's okay. Is that okay for me to step on some toes? Because we can't talk about relationships without talking about all kinds of relationships. So let's talk about how, how when we come to Christ and we're living the new life, how does that affect our dating relationships, right? Because if we're honest, sometimes we come to Christ, we're living a new life, but we're dating just like we did before. We're superimposing a broken system on top of the new life, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, and, and so this is the thing. When we come to Christ, it changes our perspective. Now, look, when I come to Christ, it changes the search criteria. If you're punching in the old search criteria, you're going to keep on bringing back the wrong people into your life. You're wondering, why are all these relationships the wrong relationships? Because you're punching in the same value system in the search criteria. And so you're getting the same old junk. Now, I'm not saying the person is junk, but their hang-ups, their weaknesses is the same stuff. And so we can't use the old lens to apply to the new life. We have to use the lens of Christ. The search criteria is different. The qualities are different than we're looking for before. 
And here's a big thing to consider. If you want to attract a spiritual person into your life, show the spirit. Show off the spirit if you want to attract a spiritual person into your life. If you want a fleshly person, show off the flesh. Look, if I show... Hold on. Wait a second. Wait if a second. I, the put, more, put that away. The more flesh I show, the more flesh I'm going to draw into my life. All right? This goes for the ladies and for the men. Look, if you come and your shirt is buttoned down to here, guys... You're not going to be drawing a spiritual woman into your life. The spirit draws the spirit. The flesh draws the flesh. Um, what are you baiting your hook with? Um, certain, yeah, what are you baiting your hook with? When Certain fishermen, when they go fishing, there's a certain bait that you will bait depending on the fish species you're trying to catch. And so some people will come to me and be like, Minister Jessica, man, I just keep taking the same people. Uh, your bait is the same as you were catching them in the world. Yeah. So you're going to still keep reeling in the same people this time around. And let me tell you something. Uh, when we don't know, I'm just going to keep it real, right? Because I, I lived my adult life. Uh, you know, and then I came to become, you know, a Christian and I didn't know how to do that. Right. Cause I'm like, okay, so what do I do about like dating and stuff? Like, how does this work in, in y'all's world? And I didn't have a relationship yet with the Lord so he could break it down for me. And so I would, I would, I thank God I stood back and I was like, I'm just going to wait over here until somebody answers that question for me. But I see that it wasn't the same for the people around me. Right. And they'll, they'll now they're like, Oh, I'm a Christian woman. I'm a Christian woman. You're dating these same kind of men and then you're asking God to bless this man that you pulled from the world and just put your spirit on him and God is like I don't I can't put new wine and old wine skin I have to have something new and, and, and make it fresh and so sometimes we come we cross over into you know knowing the Lord and we're like yes God you know do it do it and he's and he's not gonna do it I'm just gonna news flash so just, you know, he says, I am the God that holds the key of David in my hand. The doors I close, no man can open and the doors I open, no man can shut. So just know that when he says, you know what? No, it's no. And then you have to realize it's not them. It's you because you're getting the same people, but you're the same. You're the, you're the common denominator in the situation. So it's not all them. It's you. So you ask the Lord, Lord, am I baiting my hook wrong? You called us to be fishers of men, but am I using the right bait? Amen. Amen. That's good. That's good. That's good. Somebody need to hear that today. All right. Um, here, now, here's the thing. I find uh, sometimes as Christians, even as Christians, we get, in, we get ourselves into a relationship and then we ask God to bless it. We, get ourse- we start dating somebody and we got into it ourselves and then we say, God, bless it. Or how about this? God, what do you think about it? It's like, what is saying? Why are you asking me now? After you got yourself into that relationship, you like their flesh, and so you got into that fleshly relationship, yep. and now you're asking me what I think about it. Right. And this is the problem I think people don't realize. God doesn't build off of the flesh. God only builds off of his foundation. So when we try to build something in our own flesh or build something because of our own desires... And then we say, God bless this. God build on this. God's like, I'm not building on that. I only build on the rock. That's right. 
I only build on myself. God only builds on himself. So when we begin to lay a foundation of God in our lives, that's something that, that, that God can build off. When we lay a foundation of people that God has put in our lives, God can build on that. When, when we build on a foundation of the perfect person that God has for us in our lives. Sorry, that was not kind of forceful. All right, sorry, that was kind of forceful. Kind of felt strong about you. God can, God can build off of that. Can I say something now? Okay, so while you can no, say something at any time. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, I think that there's something that we have to kind of change in our in our thought process, and that is in that arena. Like when you're looking for the person that God has for you, you have to look at it as just like that, rather than I'm looking for companionship, because anybody can be a companion, but. I'm so thankful that we look sometimes at the outward appearance. Of course, we know that God looks at the inside. And so we go off of that first. A lot of people do. And they don't have the, the character and the things within them to be able to withstand the test of time. And I think that's what makes certain relationships rock solid. I don't like... Like we look at this whole outward and somebody could look so good and be like shallow, like a two foot pool, you know, and, and what happens when you get into when you meet your first point of adversity, like that, that person may not know what to do or how to encourage you or how to walk you through as a spiritual partner. So I, I'm like, when I think back and I think of the challenges that we faced, I'm so grateful because we've been able to help each other up in God when we've been low. So when you're looking, don't just look for a companion. Don't just look, I'm dating around. There's a difference between dating and courtship. I don't know if some of you know what courtship is. It's an older term, but it's basically like, you're not dating around. You're not trying out different people. It's like when you finally say this could very much be that person that God has for me, we're going to spend some more time together. I remember when he first talked to me he said I want to spend some more time together I knew what it meant I was like oh man and I was so cool on the outside but inside I was so excited so but I was so grateful because there were so many people I remember in youth that were all dating each other and and like and I didn't date anybody in in that in that group and um, it's not to say I didn't have interest I was like oh that person's good looking and different things but I had my eye on him because God told me he was my husband. Oh, that's right. And so, but when everybody was done dating around, guess who they looked at? Oh, she's, she has, no one's been with her. So it's like you, but when you preserve yourself, yes. there's something so gratifying about like not being in this pool of like mixture and stuff that when we did get, finally get together, it was so rewarding. It was so beautiful. That's, that's all for now. That was really great. It was really awesome. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to move forward without touching on this point. So we we're talking about baiting and hooking, right, with the person. But what about when you're already in a, a situation, right, and you're in a relationship? People think that oh, it's easier to not enter in the relationship than it is to leave the relationship. Um, especially when you put in so much time and investment in a relationship and you were, you know, you've been together for a while, you put everything you had, you done 
probably given up, I'm sorry, but given up your body, you know, you've given up your heart, you've given up your time, you put all of this in, and even though you know this is not it, you still don't leave. Why? Who wants to leave a situation that you have invested so much into, and it's harder to break that up? And I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, for me, you know, the last relationship I was with, thank God it was before, you know, my journey with the Lord, but I knew, and I wasn't even saved, and that's just, that's the point, because you know. I was with this person, within the first year, I knew this wasn't it, and I ended up in that relationship for five years. Five years of my time, when you knew that you should have just gotten out of it. So I just want to go ahead and say, like, it's easier to leave when you haven't entered into that relationship than to enter in that relationship and then try to leave after you keep putting all that you have into it and you're getting nothing in return, well, nothing valuable that you should get in return. You said some really good things there because you're going to attract where you are. And what happened was you were on your growth journey that would ultimately take you to God, experiencing the, the fullness of a relationship with God. You were growing, and as you were growing, you were realizing that wasn't a good fit for you. You're going to attract what you are. When you are you're going to attract a fleshly person if you're doing fleshly things. You're going to attract a spiritually mature person if you're doing spiritually mature things. And I think this is where we have to be honest with ourselves when we're saying, should I date? Is this a season for me to begin to, or better yet, court? You're going to draw what you are. If you're immature, you're going to draw somebody that's immature. And imagine if you hitch your horse to somebody that is immature for five years or for the rest of your life or whatever... You're going to draw what you are. So just be honest. If you're still immature, maybe you're not ready. And maturity is not an age thing, right? Somebody can be coming to church for a long time and be immature. Somebody could be young and be very mature. It's not an age thing. It's a relationship thing with God. Where are you at? Have you reached a certain level where you feel confident? This is the type of person I want. I'm at a level that I feel like if somebody else was at the same level as me, I feel like that would be a good match. Spiritually mature people will attract spiritually mature people. Spiritually immature people will attract spiritually immature. If you've got some big areas that need to be resolved in your life, it's okay to wait. It's okay to let God work on you. It's okay for you to work on you. Don't try to bring somebody into your dysfunction. Because they will have the same amount of dysfunctionality as you do. They will have the same amount of immaturity as you do. So it's okay to wait. Actually, the song that I sang for you on our wedding day, you are worth the wait. So, no. (laughs) It's it's okay to wait. Um, Sometimes God brings you through seasons of waiting so that you can mature. First time we met or in the beginning of our relationship, before we started courting, I still had some growth to do. But God knew what I needed to grow in. God knew what she needed to grow in. And at the right season, we started to come together. So be honest with yourself. You're doing yourself a favor if you say, I'm not ready yet. I still have got some growing to do. And I think when we are jumping in and out of relationships, we have to understand that's a worldly idea. 
God's idea for us is not jumping in and out of relationships, right? Jumping in and out of relationships brings nothing to you but heartache, uh, broken pieces that you're trying to put back together, broken pieces emotionally and psychologically, you're trying to put those things back together. That's not God's way for you to hurt like that. And you're training yourself. When we do that, we train ourselves to quit on relationships. And the, way, the world's way of dating, it's mostly based on selfish desires being gratified. I want to gratify my own selfish desires. I want companionship. I want something physically. I want something now. I want to be gratified. And so many of these relationships are not about love. They're about self gratification it's okay to wait till you're mature spiritually this is what and i want to talk about this because a lot of times we don't talk about it in church but what happens which is a byproduct oftentimes of a lot of dating is sleeping around so listen to this first corinthians six fifteen. if we're okay to talk about this in church we are we should. all right it says don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of christ should a man take his body which is part of christ and join it to a prostitute. Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one with her, one body with her. For scripture says the two are united into one. So I think what is misunderstood a lot of time is it's not about religiousness. It's about making and breaking covenant. When you make covenant and you break covenant, you come together as one flesh and you break apart. There is brokenness that follows. There's heartache that follows that God never intended for us to have. God didn't want that, those feelings of regret and remorse and guilt and shame and brokenness. He didn't want that to be a part of our existence. But when we make and we break covenant, that's what happens. It's the heartache. It's not God's way, and it causes emotional baggage. It's not that God can't come in and bring the pieces together and mend the broken hearts. But the question becomes, why break yourself in the first place? Why say, yes, I want to be broken. Yes, I want to get this pain or carry this hurt for a season. And God is saying, look, just let me save you the trouble of that. And God wants to give us a life that is fulfilled, that is happy, that has no shame, has no guilt, has no brokenness. This is God's way. Mark 10, 8, 9. This is what Jesus said. And the two shall become one flesh so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So if I'm going into a relationship and I'm saying, I might have to separate this thing. We're not entering in with the right mentality. We're not entering in with a spirit-led mentality. Proverbs 10, 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. God wants the relationships in your life to be ones that he has helped you find, and they add no sorrow. My turn. You know, um, when we think, when we look around and see how much the world has tried to redefine what love is, what yep. um, marriage is, and and isn't like people don't even value marriage at all. Sometimes, you know, like you hear people living together for years and years and years and years, and they don't see a need 
to Mary. They don't see it as anything important. Um, I think it's, it's important to go back to this because it never changes. God's word never changes. What he, his intention for us is to give us beautiful things, things that were intended to give us life and joy. And so I, I'm reminded of when we first got married and we're on our honeymoon and we're on this cruise ship and we're having this great time. We're in the hot tub and there's another couple there and they were so shocked when they found out why we were there. They're like, you guys are married? Like, this is your honeymoon? Why did you get married so early? And it was like, when, it wasn't just them. It was like a lot of people that we encountered. They were so amazed and their mind was so blown that we were so young and chose to get married at that age because in their mind it was like, well, you're young. You should like go out and party and have fun and be with different people and you know, then, then settle down when you get older. And we talk about this all the time. We're like, man, we're so glad that we have so much history together. You know, we have all these inside jokes. We can think back of when we were 20, 17, however old, and just laugh about stuff. That, to us, we count it as a blessing. Yeah. We know not everybody has that. And so, I, I, like, I encourage you, especially students, yeah. don't settle for, what's not, not is, for what is not God's best. God has the best for you. And if you wait, it is so worth it. It's so beautiful. I remember thinking to myself when we first got married, I said, God, this is so perfect. Not that we're perfect people, not that our, even our marriage is perfect, but the way everything came together, I was just so amazed. And then God reminded me, everything that's good and perfect comes from me. And, and so that, that exists, but the world seeks to make this whole a thing of like, just sleep around with anybody, do what feels good whenever you want, you know, and, and it's so alluring and they glamorize this life and it, and it's full of brokenness. And I do want to say this, I know it's a hot topic, but it doesn't get talked about often. And it is very damaging to relationships. Pornography is horrible for marriages and people don't, don't, you know, society has tried to make it sound like it's very normal. It's very, you know, it, we're, we're animals and we should just go with our instincts and all this garbage. But when the word says that if you look upon somebody else, the lust is as, as if you've done it in your heart. I mean, if you've done it, the act, like you need to think about that. When we renew our minds, we're saying we're dying to our flesh. We're disciplining ourselves to think purely, to have, think of what's good and lovely and pure and separate those things and say, what do we need to do? And this is for married couples. What do we need to do to keep the love and things interesting in our relationship? But when you start dancing outside of the lines and calling it, okay, that's, that's old stuff. That's sin. That's the old life. You got to say no to that. And you got you to gotta keep it fiery. That's right. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny that exactly what you said, that sometimes the, the, the world takes the long way around to figure out the same thing that we could easily learn in Scripture. But, you know, the big thing that they talk about in TED Talks now is how that it destroys intimacy. Pornography actually destroys the intimacy that you have in your relationship. So regardless of what they try to tell you and sell you, at the end of the day, whether you're looking at it from an educated secular standpoint or you're looking at it from a spiritual standpoint, those things will destroy the intimacy within your relationship. So um, 
as we're wrapping up, what is it that we should be looking for in, so, so for people that are looking for that person, looking for that uh, helpmate that they're going to spend the rest of their life with, what type, of, what type of qualities should they be looking for? Do we have just one service? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the abridged version. I, Pastor Corinne said something that was very true when she used the word evidence. Um, you, the number one thing that you should always look for in that relationship is, is God in this person's, is God's hand is on this. Because like you said, a lot of people talk the talk, right? But they don't walk the walk. And a lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm Christian. I'm good. I go to church. I read my Bible. And no, it's not true. Like if you spend enough time, you know, you look at the fruit and the evidence of it, you don't, you know of God, but you don't know God. And so that's one of the first things that you should see. And, and in the relationships that I see around with a apostle and prophet Deborah and you and pastor Joshua, what I see, um, in, when you look at somebody, it's like, can you even trust this person? Apostle said something to me and he said, the highest level of love is trust. And we, we don't trust people. We think we do. We share our bodies with people that we don't trust. We enter relationships with people that we don't trust. Um, when people say, you know, they're already intimate, and, they, and I said, well, they have a concern, they bring it to me, right? And I said, well, did you talk to this person about this? Oh, no, I, I can't talk. You can't talk to them about it? And y'all intimate? And that doesn't make sense. That's how the world thinks. So I'm not married yet. But I could tell you this, I spend so much time with God that I know his character. And if I don't see the character of God, no, he's not going to be Jesus. But if he doesn't have the characteristics of God, if he doesn't have the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control, I don't need to be entertaining a what if maybe if he's a potential. I already shut it down. That's ministry. That's a project, right? And I'm here and I'm not Bob the Builder. I'm not trying to build any man, right? And so that, those are the things first and foremost that I look for in someone who is worth, right? My time. Amen. That's good. I, and, and that's so good. You have to know your worth. Ladies, know your worth. Men, know your worth. And I, I love, that's exactly what I put in my notes was Galatians 5, 22, 23, which is the fruits of the Spirit. Um, the fruit of the Spirit produces. The, the, the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is active in your life, He's going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So if I don't see the evidence of that in somebody's life, if I don't see the fruit of that in somebody's life, then this isn't somebody that I should be looking at like that. I can look at them to help them to, hey, man, let me pull you up. Let me, let me give you a hand. But I'm not looking at something that, that apostle always say, you, you, you don't marry a project. You marry an equal. You can minister. You can love on a project. You don't marry a project. You say, man, one day this, this person could be awesome. No. No, that's ministry. That's different. That's you loving your fellow man. That's different. You marry an equal. But whatever your list is, it should start with the fruits of the Spirit. You know? This is the way I, this is the way I see it. Um, when you're looking at somebody to spend the rest of your life with, important. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's okay to tell God the things that you want, but make sure at the top before all those wants are the things you need. And what you need is for God to be in that person. The Holy Spirit to be in that person with evidence of the fruit. So how can we live this life? Well, we have to, one of the things that is important to live in this life is bringing the right relationships into it, redefining the relationships that are already in it. And so some people you need to bring closer. Some people you might have to put parameters on and some people might be toxic that need to, you need to cut out of your life, at least for a season. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. That, that applies to our life in Christ. If you want to grow in Christ, put a culture, a relational culture around you that will help you thrive. Will you bow your heads with us today? I want to pray that this word will challenge all of us to choose our friends and choose those that are very special relationships. That relationship that God wants to bring into our life carefully, intentionally, and by the Spirit. Pastor Krim, would you pray over us? God, we thank you for this word. Lord, we thank you for opening our ears to hear what you've said to us today. And God, show us how we can apply this. Show us how we can walk this out, God. And we just thank you, Lord, that you order our steps. And we're inviting you to do that today. Order our steps, God. Order our relationships. God, if there's some relationships that we need to redefine, tell us, God. We will be quick to listen, God, and, and make those changes. God, if there's some relationships that we actually need to pursue and to develop, God, I thank you for making that clear to us. And Lord, if we're in a relationship that it's it's not of you, it's something that we've chosen, God, and it was not something that you put for us, God, we surrender that to you today. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would, by your spirit, allow us to stand up for truth, to stand up for your purpose in our lives, God. We know that you are the one who can break off any stronghold. And so today, God, we surrender every relationship before you. And we thank you, God, that you would bring about such a resolve in our heart if we need to, to, to cut a relationship off. And I thank you, God, that your spirit would empower us to continue moving forward in your purpose. And I thank you, God, for those that are waiting for their, for their spouse. Lord, that you would take out any delay, God that you would give us patience in the waiting, Lord, and that you would also, Lord, prepare us, prepare us for the wonderful promise that you have for us, God. I thank you. We declare every good and perfect thing comes from you, and we thank you. We anticipate it. We expect it, God. I thank you, Father, for adding to us as you see fit, bringing the relationships alongside us that are meant to sharpen us, to help us to move forward in our uh, purpose and destiny. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for um, the opportunity to receive this from you. If there's anybody here that you haven't, this is the beginning of your journey with the Lord. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. If you would repeat after me, if everyone can say, Lord, I give you my heart. I recognize that I need you, Jesus. I ask you to forgive my sins. Come into my heart. Make me over. Give me the mind of Christ. And Holy Spirit, I invite you to lead and guide me into all truth. Show me the way and help me to walk this life out. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. If, if you don't have a home church, we'd love to be your family. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks again for listening. If you like this podcast, remember to share and subscribe. For more information or to connect with us, go to hopeunited.church. And remember, if God is with you, you will be undefeated.